Well, hey, welcome home to Cassidy. Good morning. Good morning. It is great to have you here. I'm so glad you are here with us. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Cassidy. And it is a great joy to be able to come together and celebrate what God is doing. So whether you are joining us online or in person, we're excited that you're with us. If you are joining us for the very first time, I just want to say welcome. We're glad you are here. Uh, you are among friends, and we recognize that we're not perfect, uh, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus Christ. And so we want to invite you on a journey with us to grow in relationship with God, to grow in relationship with one another, and to lean into that relationship so that we can make a difference in this world right here and right now because God has tasked us with nothing less than building his kingdom right here, right now. So we're all invited to be a part of that, and so I'm excited that you are here with us. Uh, also, you have chosen a great time to join with us. I'm super excited because it is time for Vacation Bible School at the end of the month. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of, if you're not familiar with Vacation Bible School, let me clue you in. We invite kids from all over, all walks of life, it doesn't matter, come and hear the good news of Jesus. And they're going to be here the end of this month uh, for four days. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, preparing myself already. Uh, hopefully you are as well, because I get the cool job of being Abelard the cow. Uh, and you heard a little bit of my vocals in there, uh, that moo at the end, that was all me, y'all. Yep, be jealous. I'm a good mooer. Um, I, 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 anyway, uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. And what we're going to do as a community is say, hey, we know that the stories we're telling these kiddos are important, uh, but so maybe we should know them as well. And so we're going to take a look at the same stories. Now, I realize that some of us are a little bit more mature than a third grader, not necessarily me, but everybody else is. And so we're going we're gonna to lean into those, those stories and look at them maybe from a, a different angle, but still have the same stories that we're going to go through. And the good news is this VBS Vacation Bible School piece is all about learning how to trust in God. God is over grief or God is over uh, anger. God is over uh, serious feelings of worthlessness and all of those things. We're going to recognize that God is more powerful than those things and that we can trust and obey, that we can lean into that relationship, that we can believe in what God has told us, why we can do it and how we can do it or what we're going to be taking a look at. So I'm excited that you are joining us. And if you're online with us, uh, stick with us. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, I wanted to start with this question. Have you ever, have you ever had a moment in your life when, where some small action changed everything? Have you ever had a moment in your life where some small, insignificant, maybe seeming action changed everything? I, I mean, maybe, maybe you said, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take up exercise. I, I'm, I'm going to exercise. Maybe, maybe your friend rode his bicycle over to your house and was like, hey, would you like to ride bicycles with me? And you were like, hey, I don't have a bicycle. And then you went to the store and bought a bicycle, and now you own seven of them. 
Uh, yeah, that might be me. I, you know, just, just leaning into it. Or maybe you said, hey, I'm going to take up a new hobby. It's going to be a brief little thing. Maybe you think it's going to be something fun for a little bit, but then that hobby becomes a passion of yours. And maybe I, I know people that have taken a hobby and now that's their small business that they're actually doing for a living. Or maybe maybe you invite somebody to coffee one day. It seems pretty pretty tame and, and safe and, and then you are ha- later you're having conversations about what does it look like if we get married? I don't know. Sometimes those conversations can be pretty powerful. Sometimes those small insignificant moments can be great and, and change your life for the better. Sometimes Sometimes those conversations can be pretty detrimental and the, the moment causes pain and problems. Maybe you go to a doctor, you think it's for a regular visit and you say, oh, I've got this lump. And then you're hearing about treatment, not just for a little while, but maybe for the rest of your life. Or maybe you look down at your cell phone while you're driving a car just for a moment. And that moment is long enough where you don't stop in time and you change the lives of yourself and others. All of these things are momentary things. They're, they're things that happen pretty quick and easy, but the truth is they change our lives for the better or for worse. I remember, I remember very vividly, mostly because I still question God's judgment on this, but I remember when I first became Christian, I was like, you know what, Lord, I will do whatever you want. Send me wherever you want to send me. I will go wherever you want to go. No, well, here I am. Uh, so <laughs> maybe you guys are questioning God's choices as well. I don't know. Uh, but the truth is that, you know, when we, when we make these small decisions, when we say, hey, I want you to, to be in charge or, or I'm going to be involved in this, and it changes everything for us, that it can be for the better or for the worse. And, and whether we're kids or adults, we've recognized this already because in life this happens. And sometimes it's the weirdest thing that we make a decision to do, and it changes everything for the better or for the worse. Sometimes it's things that we're trying to be very meticulous about, very, very planned and oriented. But sometimes it's just accidents that happen, and we find ourselves in a new and different direction, and it changes everything for us. And so I want us to take a look. We're gonna, today, we're going to take the look, a look at the story of Noah. And for most of us, when we hear the story of Noah, we remember back to Vacation Bible School ourselves or when we were younger and we were part of the, the, this community of faith called the church and we heard the story as children of Noah. And it's so great, right? Their animals come two by two and Noah gets on the boat. And I just want you guys to know that the story of Noah is like one of the most tragic stories in the entirety of the Bible. It's one of the most sad and broken stories. And we tell kids, we're like, yay, God made rain. We don't tell them, and God wiped out all of humanity, right? I mean, it's, it's hard. So we're going to take a look at it from a little bit different perspective uh, because what happens is Noah comes to God, it's our God comes to Noah, It says, hey, you've been faithful. You should build an ark. And Noah says, okay, that seems like a great idea. Now, I like that boggles my mind enough. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like, like me, you're sitting there going, I, 
I think that would be a little hard. It would be hard, hard pressed for, for that. First, I don't have enough land to build an ark. Uh, but if I did, why, would, I, would I really be like, okay, that sounds like a great idea. I'm going to build an ark. So this is how it comes. In Genesis, this is how the story goes. This is the account of Noah and his family. This comes from Genesis chapter 6. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. Some of our other uh, ways of interpreting this, it says, men's hearts were evil only all the time. That the only thing that came out of men's hearts was evil. And, and Noah is in the middle of this. Now, Noah is a righteous man. We're not sure what that means, what righteousness Noah has, but maybe it's just that he still listens to God and pays attention. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy, destroy both them and the earth. Now, if we take a moment... And we think about that, uh, that, is, like, that is a very harsh reality that Noah is getting involved in. I mean, we, I, I think for me, I know when I first became Christian, like I gave people in the Bible supernatural abilities, right? I forgot that they were just regular people that God was using and communicating with. And so I was like, of course, Noah's strong in his faith. He's righteous. Whatever that really means, we're not really sure. But when, when you read that and God says, I'm going to destroy all of humanity and, and the earth too. And you got you to gotta think Noah was like, wait a minute, I'm a human. Uh, what does this mean for me? Are you, are you just telling me that you're going to kill everybody? I don't know. What's going to happen? And then Noah probably, because one of the things that I do is I just skip right past this. Noah had friends. Noah had family. He wasn't isolated. He didn't live on an island. It would have been easier to build an ark if he lived on an island. Uh, he wasn't isolated. He didn't live out in the boonies with nobody near him. He had relationships with people. He had family. He had friends. Now, some of you may be sitting out there going, well, if God took some of my relatives and made them go the way of the dodo, that would be okay. Uh, but the reality is that, that God was talking about everybody. And Noah is like, I don't even know what to do. I, I can only imagine, honestly, what Noah was like because it just boggles my mind. And here's the other side of that. Like, we don't, we're not told how God interacts with Noah. Did God show up in, in bodily form uh, and say, okay, Noah, I want you to build an ark? Or was it a voice from heaven? Or was it a dream that he had? Whatever it was, it was strong enough to convince him, yes, I'm going to build an ark. But for me, I'm, I'm, I wonder if he was sitting there at times going, gosh, am I an idiot? for believing in this. Especially when he's building the ark and all of his friends and neighbors and relatives are saying, you're an idiot for believing in all of this. You know, we're sitting there and we're thinking about this. If you really put yourself in the story, it, it changes everything. And God continues his conversation with Noah. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has breath, the breath of life in it. Everything on the earth will perish. Again, you think Noah was like, uh, are you just being cathartic here and telling me what's going to happen? Or is there a reason that you're sharing this with me? 
but, God says, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of every living creature, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. Now, I had somebody ask me once, what about the fish? I was like, it's water, it's rain, right? <laughs> it's all good, it's all good. Uh, no, no dumb questions, but I, you know, I can't, I can't. anyway. Uh, so it's interesting to me because God gives Noah these instructions, and I wonder, I, you know, you, uh, build an ark. Okay, I can do that. Two by two, animals are going to just start showing up, and you're going to have to keep them alive. I, I wonder if there was a point when Noah, uh, because there's been a point in my life, maybe you've experienced this too, when you're like, God, I don't know that I want to do what you want me to do anymore. And I wonder if there was a point in Noah's building of the ark and Noah's decision to follow God that Noah was like, I don't know if I really want to do this. Maybe this isn't for the best. Maybe I should go along with the rest of humanity. And yet Noah trusted and obeyed. And he built this ark, and, and the animals started showing up two by two. I love, I love, I mean, this is the, my favorite picture, right? You have that long line of animals, and there's like giraffes and aardvarks and, uh, you know, zebras and all kinds of stuff. And you're just like, oh, this is so cool. And they march up into that, and then the rains begin to fall. Forty days and forty nights rain everywhere. And for 150 days, for 150 days, the water, the floodwaters cover the entirety of the earth. Can you imagine that? I mean, not just, not just being trapped on a boat with only your family and a ton of animals, but instead the grief and the pain that you would be carrying with you. All of creation was being wiped out. This can't be easy. And yet we're like, oh yeah, Noah, it's great. You know, we love the story of Noah and we, we forget the pain that Noah carried, the grief that Noah had to carry. It's no wonder that when they hit dry ground, the first thing that Noah did was plant a vineyard so that he could make some wine, right? It's not a wonder. It's not a wonder at all. And, and, and for me, I think about even further, think about this, Noah's family, right? They didn't have a, can you, can you imagine being the daughter-in-law of Noah, right? You get told, hey, get on the ark, and you're like, oh, this is going to be weird, right? And then suddenly, that's all of humanity that's left, all of your family, all of your friends. You didn't even get to make a choice in this, and yet the world has been drastically changed. Noah's world has been changed drastically by the, by the flood. He was faithful to God, but the world as a whole had changed, I, I, I can imagine that Noah wasn't excited about all of the changes that God had done. Noah wasn't like, yes, those guys were jerks anyway. Well, maybe a few of them. But it, the reality is most of them are, are he's not going to feel that way. There's going to be some loss and some pain that's going on. And, and it's at times like that that I find in my own life when I'm going through the darkest of times, I'm like, God, where are you? Help me to see your presence. I need to know that you're here with me because things are not good. And I can only imagine that Noah fell back time and time again on the promise that he had heard when God said, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark. 
and I will take care of you, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. I will care for you. I will carry you through the flood, and together we will do something new. And, and, and God teaches Noah some profound understanding during this. I mean, we, we, give, we have so much history. We, we read the Bible and we're like, okay, that's what happened. And we forget that Noah comes in the first book of the Bible. And so Noah's understanding of who God is is pretty limited. He, he has this voice or person that comes and says, build an ark. And he's like, well, I guess that's a good idea. And builds the ark and the animals show up. And what does this teach him about God? First, that God is the God of all creation. That God does have control over the floodwaters of the earth. That God has control over the beasts of the field, over the birds of the air, over all of creation. And God is powerful and will carry it out. But he also learns that God is just and righteous and that sin cannot stand in his presence. And so in these moments of, of interaction with, with God, Noah starts to see there is something more that's going on here. There is, there is someone more that's there, a God who is righteous and just and powerful and that God said he would care for them. Together, we're going to do something. I'll establish a covenant with you. Never again will I do this because I have done this and you have been chosen. And so Noah begins again the process of, of rebirth. Now, here's, here's the deal. Like, to me, it boggles my mind, but God decided in that moment that humans were valuable enough not to do away with us completely. I mean, it seems like it would be easier just to start from scratch. That's how I like if I'm if I'm doing something and it goes horribly horribly wrong, I like wad it up and throw it away. Sometimes there are sermons that hit the floor and it's awful, and I'm very glad that I threw them away. But other times, like I, I, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense for me to try and recraft everything. But God loves people so much that He's not willing to give up on humanity. That he's not going to give up on humanity. And God demonstrates that by caring for Noah and his sons and saying, we're going to work through this together. We've got to start over because humanity has become so corrupt that it is even breaking the fabric of creation. But we'll begin again. And, and I love that picture because that gives Noah this greater understanding of who God is. And, and it allows us a little bit of a clearer picture of God's love and grace for us. Mostly because we come in at the end of the story and we can look back on all of that creation and all of that history. And we can say, yes, I see this picture from Noah that God is with me. And the good news is... As Christians, God draws even nearer because God gives the Holy Spirit to each and every one of us. And, and the truth is that even when your world is turned upside down, God is still in control, powerful, just, and righteous. That God is still in control and caring for each and every one of us. Actually, God is still in control so much more so now because Jesus came into the world. That by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we have been given a new life in Jesus Christ. No longer are we bound to sin and death, but now we are bound to the righteousness of Christ. 
that we come alive in him and the Holy Spirit dwells within us and we walk through the darkness in the full confidence of God. Now that, that can be hard. I'm going to use some I statements here because I have experienced when I have gone through the most darkness in my life, the, the bleakest of times, I have experienced that I don't notice that God is there. Like I, I'm like, where are you, Lord? Why are you here? It's not until after I have made it through the darkness that I can look back and I see God's presence and God carrying me through things. It's like that old, you remember the Footprints poem? It's such a great poem. If you haven't read it in a while, go read it. I remember it, well, like my, my parents had it on their wall. That was how cool it was in the 80s, right? Nobody knows who really wrote it. A bunch of people have taken credit for it. Uh, but the picture is this, that a man is walking with God along the shoreline of his life. And at the end of it, the man looks back and where he sees the, the difficult times, there's not two sets of footprints, but only one. And, and he turns to God and he's like, why did you abandon me in my most difficult of times? Why did you leave me when I needed you most? And God says, my child, it's then that I carried you. And it's such a beautiful picture because that's exactly what I have seen in my life, that I look back and I know that I was just trying to crawl to get back on my feet when things were not going the way that I wanted them to, and yet God was there with me. I look back and I can see it way more clearly than when I'm going through the difficult times. And the truth is this, when you can recognize God's presence in the difficult moments, you will know how he has carried you through the brokenness. When you can do that in the difficult moments, that is when you have truly learned to trust and obey and know that God is with you and allow God to lift you up and carry you. Now, I get it. It's not easy. When things are jacked up in the world and when things are jacked up in your lives and maybe you're experiencing this right now that the world just seems to be broken all around you and all you can see is the darkness. And, and the truth is that we can, we can turn our hearts over to God in those moments. And how do we do that? First, first thing we have to do is to trust, to turn to God in, in the brokenness. And here's, here's the deal. We, we have a difficult time with this. Turn to God in the darkness. Turn to God in the brokenness. I just told you. I, I turn and I'm like, where are you, God? Why are you not with me? Why are you not carrying me? How am I going to make it through this since you're not here? You say you're going to be with me. And yet here I am alone and broken on the shores of reality. Please come and do that. And, and the reality is that God is there with us in the brokenness. It's just hard to see when all you're focused on is the bad things, when all you're looking at is the bad things. And it takes some time. So for me, I have to start with, God, I don't even know that you're here, but I know you say you're here, so be here, please. Let me know that you're here. And I get really snarky with God when I'm not, when I'm not happy with how things are going. I don't recommend that at all, um, but it's, it's the way that I deal with that. And so I, I know that we can turn to God in the brokenness. It might not be our first thing, because for me, my, my default is I'm just going to put the world or my problem on my back, and I am going to march up that hill, because I've got to get there. Some, nobody's going to do it for me. And then it's like halfway through that when I'm struggling, then I'm like, oh yeah, God, please be with me. God, please care for me. God, you say you're here. I can't recognize you, but 
be with me. And so the first thing is to turn to God even in that brokenness. And the second one is to trust that God is with you. To truly trust that God is with you even when you can't see him. I I think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he is awaiting his death and he says, God, take this cup from me if you will, but if not, thy will, not my will be done. And I know that's a picture of trust that I can emulate, that I can strive to be more like. And, and finally, and this takes a lot of maturity uh, and a lot of discipline, and I'm not very good at it. <laughs> so maybe you're better at it than I, can, I am, but turn to God when you get through this and see what you can learn from the experience. Seek what you can learn about who God is. Seek what you can learn about what God is telling you and how we can live in a different way. Seek that God is going to be teaching you something. Now, I don't for an instant believe that God is causing the problem that you're going through just so you can suffer and get a little bit better. But I have experienced that when I have trouble, I can learn something powerful and profound about God. My faith has grown more from the difficulty I experienced in life than it ever did from when things were comfortable. God is present in the darkness. We can trust that God will get us through and God will carry us when we can't get through on our own and that we can believe and have a blessed assurance that God will be with us and will carry us and will teach us how to be more like him, how to love more like him and how to live more like him. Let's pray. Holy one, we give you thanks for the gift of Jesus Christ, for the hope we have in you, for the promise of life, death, and resurrection that gives us new life, for the promise that you will be with us even in the darkness. And so, God, we just pray in this time that you would walk with us and and draw near to us, that you would uh, be present with us. And if we are currently going through the middle of trouble, of brokenness, that you would reveal your presence to us in a powerful way, that we would know that you are right here with us. We pray this together in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, Amen. Amen.